Hey, this is John from Super Deluxe Gamescast. As you know, we'd recorded a spoiler cast for The Last of Us 2 with our good friend Zachary Ryan from IGN, and it was an absolute pleasure talking with him. However, through a series of unfortunate coincidences that are no one's fault, his audio was corrupted and unusable. Therefore, we had a choice. Re-record or provide content while the subject was still timely. Ultimately, we felt the best choice was to release our conversation with some edits, which is why some of the conversation may feel a bit disjointed. Our apologies to Zachary, who is an absolute joy to collaborate with and a welcome voice on STGC anytime he wants. And with that, here's our spoiler cast. Hello and welcome again to Super Deluxe Gamescast. This is an after hours episode and we are going to be talking about The Last of Us 2. Now I want to stress that this is a spoiler cast so if you have not completed the game, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now, walk away because we will be getting into major, major story spoilers. Uh, we'll also be discussing what we, what we loved about the game, what didn't quite work for us, and our thoughts overall considering that it is probably this generation's most anticipated playstation 4 console exclusive um and uh i mean what it's already it's already the fastest it's the fastest selling this generation yeah uh it was like four million in three days or something something like that yeah some 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 wild number uh on the panel tonight i got uh jeff what's up buddy hey how's it going i i'm so happy i i I, it takes yeah i know everyone knows it takes me like two months to finish games of this like normally and I, I'm really happy I was able to power through it and and actually join one of these talks. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm really happy you're here too. It, it feels like we. It's been a while since I've done some pre-recorded content with you. So yeah, yeah Jeff no, got married this week. I know. This is still the best. We thing we basically got back. We did the marriage and did the ceremony and then got back. And the next day I was like, all right, I'll see you in two days. I got to finish the last of us. I got to. Fi- <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I know that I yeah. just promised I would spend the rest of my waking day starting days, on got to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be fair, isn't it the most Last of Us thing to ha- have happiness in your grasp and throw it all away? For Absolutely something else? yes. What? Oh man, I would say that, that's a twenty twenty thing overall. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, but Finn. Uh, speaking of uh, members of the panel, actually, Finn. Now that Matt, now that Maddie is gone, are are you Matt again? Are you Matt? Now? No, like, no. You know what? Because the whole fact is that our new segment coming up is called Finterviews. Yes. It wouldn't make sense to change my name to back to Matt, so I will keep going with my last name. I love it. Nolan Nerdcast representing Finn forever. And uh, Justin, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Now um, I know this is this is something you've wanted to talk about for about yes. a, yeah like you, yeah you so were... so kind of counter to Jeff saying it takes him a long time to finish games. I started this game at midnight when it unlocked um, because I had it preloaded. I finished it a little after two a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> uh, and to be clear, it wasn't like. Sun. It was the Saturday to Sunday, two a.m. So it was about fifty hours after the game unlocked. Oh I had God, put wow. a little over thirty hours into this game because I had nothing else to do. Even so. even if I had uh, the time, like this game is just so bleak. I could like every three hours, I'm like, I just need some sunlight. I need to hug someone. Like, I, well, it, <laughs> it wasn't even like I. It, like I had planned on playing it, yeah. you know, pretty heavily that weekend, but I didn't plan on doing quite that. And then it was just like look at the clock and be like, "Oh no!" Kind <laughs> it of happened situation. again. <laughs> Justin, and... you beat the game in less days than the game takes place over. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's... well done, Justin. Well, there should be a, there should be a trophy for that. Well, it, real, real quick, Finn. You know what's funny about that is uh, Gene Park at the Washington Post 
sent me a DM <laughs> Uh, when the review codes went out, uh, he had already finished it, and he said, "John, did you get a review code for the Last of Us 2? I said, "No, I didn't." And he goes, "Son of a bitch!" He, he's like, "I I finished I finished it twice already, and I need to talk to somebody about it, and I have nobody to talk to." And uh, he was like, "You don't happen to know any of the spoilers, do you?" And I was like, "I know a few, I think." And he goes, "Okay, that's not enough for me to actually talk about what I want to talk about." So. Oh, uh, poor, poor Gene. I felt so bad for him. So, uh, so The Last of Us 2, like I said, uh, arguably one of, if not the most anticipated uh, PlayStation 4 release uh, this generation. Um, when I when I picked up the game, so I have I have friends who who, who had reviewed the game before I did, um, and they they said one thing that you need to to keep in mind is that there is not a single. There, there's, there's not a single ray of light in this game, and, and it, that's not a bad thing, but, but this game continually beats you down, um, and it took me about, I would say, close to thirty hours to finish it, um, and by the end of the game, I was exhausted, um, and that's not a negative, but I felt like I had been put through an emotional ringer. Um, and we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Ellie. Um, you know, John, sorry, I just want to say, like, I, I'd heard all that talk as well, um, leading up to it, like just how dark it was, how violent it was. And I was pleasantly surprised. I, I disagree a little bit. I really think there's a lot of, yeah, I think there's, I think it's I'm a lot like the disagree. first game. I think there's some really dark stuff, some really serious stuff. Obviously it's a violent game, but I think there's a lot of tender moments um i think there's i mean the problem is the lighter moments and rays of hope are followed up by like a punch to the gut but i do think that stuff is in the game and i'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that as we go forward but i i was prepared for something just to completely like drain all life out of me and i found myself laughing and smiling at certain parts the uh, we'll get to it, but the flashback um, with Ellie and Joel in the oh, zoo, you're right. The okay, uh, yeah, like I there's some totally, really, really right. good feel-good moments, and yeah, I so and that's I just I disagree with that. I I was um I had my expectations in one place, and I was uh, very happy to see that I, I was uh, a little bit wrong in that regard. And not you and know yeah, like, for me, some way, oh, Justin, just sorry, uh, yeah, for me, like the people that are saying it's that bleak, especially with like going through it a second time and like focusing on some things more like, I mean, yeah, there's some bleak stuff, but for me, it really kind of feels like a mischaracterization of the entire game. Like it feels like a very surface level take that does not, that ignores a lot of really cool stuff. Like there's the one moment where, you know, you're just exploring and you find a guitar and Ellie picks it up and plays the entirety of Take On Me for Dina. Oh, that was and they so remi- good. That was they really reminisce good. about, like, this, you know, one campfire they were at um, and their feelings for each other and stuff at that. And it was, like, just such an incredibly sweet moment. And that was, like, at the beginning of them, you know, going on this revenge quest and stuff. So, like, it, like the game I don't think would work if it's as if it was as you know, upsetting as a lot of people have tried to say it. Is. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe it has to do with people's mindset. Right. Like, so I, like, I, I think for me, it, it's not so much a, a, a violence thing as it is just a tone thing when I'm talking about like, you know, the mood and the, and kind of like, you know, just the atmosphere of the game itself. Uh, but, but Finn, like, like kicking off Ellie's journey, um, what moment struck, what, what, like, like what, what hit you the hardest at first? Um, because the game has a really interesting opening, 
And uh, did you want to walk us through that, Finn? I mean, yeah. Did you want me to walk us through it, or did you want me to answer your question? Well, just <laughs> answer my question, I'll walk Finn. You, I'll walk you through it. And Look, I'll, I'm really I'll tired, okay, answer. Finn? So you're going to have to... I understand. Okay, I got you, fam. <laughs> I got you. So the game opens, and it's it's you're, you're taking control of Joel and Tommy. And as you ride to our new uh, safe zone, our, our Jackson, Missouri, where the game now takes place, I think it's, it's established it's four years after part one this isn't the same this isn't the same location as in the first uh game right no this is not like colorado no this is jackson i don't think they were ever in jackson yeah yeah okay all right wait i thought it was wyoming no for the longest time i thought i was like wait i thought they were going back to the power plant that's what i thought too yeah but That's, that's not yeah that's where it is the dam powers that town that's why they have electricity Okay, uh, that makes sense. Huh. All right, I, well, I, I, I don't didn't catch that either. I, 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 I honestly, I, I my U.S. geography I, is a little shady, so don't, well, I, I, well, don't you know, know. I, I thought, th- I thought that this was actually a different location than the first game, but okay, nope. I'm wrong. Same. They just, they just have had power for several years and have been able to build it up and clean it up. Okay, that makes sense. All okay, right. well, that, 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 you know what? That's fine. That, that doesn't actually affect anything. Uh, and but then. We and I thought I think it's really interesting because we you don't find out until second playthrough how much this game seeds and 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 foreshadows and hints at events that we'll get flashbacks to later. But I really enjoyed how the game starts and we know there's some tension, but we between Jolie uh, Joel and Ellie, but we don't know why. We know something happened the night before, but the game doesn't show you. It doesn't tell you. We just go on. We're going on a uh, on a patrol with Ellie and we meet this new character Jesse. And we meet this new character, Dina, and we get very quickly some the gist of the relationship. I, I, I like all these new characters, how they're gelling. And just to fast forward, we everyone, the part that we have to talk about, the, the big first spoiler, quote unquote, the part that really I think is the divergent point where people either hated the game or accepted where the story was going and went on. Like, I think the death of Joel is the big split off point that really uh, diverges the, the, the discussion, the discourse as it were. Right. Jeff, you had your hand up. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I think we'll all want to talk about this, but this, I, I wanted to jump in because I, I posted about this in our group discord. I was very mad at the game at this point. Um <laughs> And, and like it, it was a hard thing to wrestle with, and I think for everyone because Joel, it's a weird thing because we know Joel isn't a great person in every regard. Like he's very obviously very flawed. That's the whole point of the end of the first game. But it's also like you play some of the first game as Ellie, you can't help but view him as kind of a guardian protector, and so in that regard, he's a little bit of a hero. And my initial reaction to the way I wasn't mad that he died. I actually kind of expected him to die in this game. I didn't like how it happened, and it reminded me a lot of the movie Logan. Um, I There's certain parts of that movie I don't like as much as some people, and one thing that really bothers me in that movie is the way Professor X, just hear me out on this, the way Professor X dies is he goes out in his bed, just basically murdered in cold blood by someone he thought was his friend, and it that never sat right with me because, like, you know, Logan himself actually gets, like, a heroic send-off. He gets to die doing something and meaning something, and it never... It never sat right with me that this wonderful character um, just went out like that. Like, it felt so meaningless and so cold and not appropriate for the person. And that was my initial reaction to Joel was, 
this can't be the way that he goes out. Like, just like this, just like that. Like, how the fuck? Like, what? What was like? I I just couldn't even rationalize with it, and so I I walked away from the game for a day before I came back to it. And you know, in hindsight, I think I was able to with some. I knew there was further context. I was like, I know Abby has a reason. I know there's something awful that he did, but the game hadn't given me any of that yet. And I think that's the real risk that the game takes is asking you to buy into this and saying like, hear me out. Let's see where this goes and how this all played out. But at that moment, it's a really fucking hard pill to swallow. So that, that was my initial take on it. Um, I, I saw Justin's hand. Up. Yeah. Ju- yeah. Justin and then Zach. Um, yeah. So I think also, um, you know, some of the rage that we're seeing comes from a lot of people that just read the spoilers out of context and stuff, which is, you know, Joel gets killed very early right. on in the game by this new character. Um, and I think, I think, I think that probably is more shocking. Like, Oh, I mean the moment in the game is shocking, but like, I think without the additional context and like what Jeff was said, without the game kind of justifying, you know, where that goes and why it happened. Um, it's it is tough to swallow but like for me that i so i've talked about this before but like the pre-release marketing really kind of turned me off on a story um level it just seemed like it was ellie's girlfriend dies and she's going to get revenge on this crazy apocalypse cult like which just seemed really dumb and really bad and not what i wanted from the last of us um but having like but for me like the only way i thought a sequel to the last of us would work is if it was fireflies came for joel or came for ellie um and i never expected joel to survive um the game i did not expect him to be gone in the first couple hours but um so for me that moment, you know, as shocking as it was, made me realize, I'm like, okay, this story is actually going to interface with these characters in the way that I think it has to for it to be called part two. Like, it's not just a sequel. It's part two, which means it's a, the, like a second half of this story. Right. Um, and the fact that the entire game is built on the ambivalence that you're supposed to feel toward Joel... Um, after the end of the first game and you know it makes you feel the same way about ellie you feel the same way about abby like it it just it all fit together kind of in that moment for me and that's when i realized i was you know totally on board for where this is going and that's the thing right like like to to kind of bounce off of what jeff said um i know that a lot of people were upset at the manner in which joel died you know like he He's a beloved character. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you know he didn't get he didn't get a grandson. Like his death was very ignominious. You know, like he got beaten to death uh, in an abandoned house with a golf club. Um, but I think that not only is that the only way he could have gone out, I think it's what he deserved. Um, because Joel, for all his Joel, for all the good aspects about his character, and there are good aspects about his character, he 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 cares deeply he cared deeply about his daughter he cares deeply about ellie uh as a as a as a second daughter um he has settled into this rhythm and this life where he has found contentment and happiness and complacency like like zach said but at the same time he has done some really terrible shit 
throughout his life. I mean, he not only murdered Abby's father, he essentially condemned the entire human race out of an act of selfishness. Um, and, and it was like, and like, I'm not saying, and like it had it been my daughter, I probably would have made the same decision. It would have been a selfish choice, but I would have made that decision. Um, and I, I think that this was the, a fitting end for Joel because, you know, I've said a few times, there are no heroes or villains in this world, just the living and the dead. And there is, you know, we'd all love a nice quiet end in our beds, surrounded by loved ones, but that's not this world. And that's not reality. Um, and the world that Joel and Ellie live in is brutal and cruel and, and dark. Uh, and, and there, there are very few happy endings to be had in a world like that. So I, I feel like this actually does justice, not just to the character, but to the world itself that they occupy. Uh, Finn. Yeah. Uh, one thing that it's, it's, I like the way that the game takes the emotions that you're most likely going to feel and then uses that. Because looking at it as a story of as a whole, you you see that it, it had to be that way. And I like how ambiguous they were about it. By doing it so early by a group of characters we didn't know, like Jeff said, your initial reaction is, oh, this has to be the Fireflies getting revenge on them. But then immediately they go, oh, no, this is some new group called the WLF. So in your head, you're like, what happened in the four years? Who did Joel piss off? And you start trying to figure out what went down. But also because it happens so fast, so suddenly, and so early, as you play as Ellie, you also are carrying that anger. You're like, I can't believe they did that to Joel. So you playing as Ellie also have that drive to get revenge on Abby and that group. Like every time you take one down, you're like, yeah, fuck them. One down, five to go. Like you have that fire in you. And it's not until you look at the story as a whole that you realize and you're looking back and you're like, that's the only way it could have gone. Yeah, like because I love the reveal of that they are the fireflies. They were just the remnants of it. And then you realize the connection Abby has to Joel and why this is so personal to her. And I just think that that like I was like everyone else. I was like, I can't believe they fucking did Joel dirty like that. But then you you think about it and you realize the emotions it puts you through and how it set the stage for Ellie's entire first like part of the story. Yeah, we'll get to that in the second half, I'm sure. But like I agree with you, Finn. I was like and that's part of why I'm shocked the second half of the game works so well, because when that happened, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill this person. I fucking, I don't care what her reason is. I hate this person. And it's, uh, it's a testament to the writing in the game. I think at least for myself that, uh, that I came around, like, the way that my view on everything changed so much in the second that half. That emotion, Jeff, is why I would argue that, that Joel's death actually was was the only way it could have happened. Because you need yeah. to have that, that anger in your heart. As bad as I was, group. it made sense in that world. Nothing about it. I was like, it wasn't like, this isn't, this shouldn't have happened. This was, I was like, yeah, he had it coming, probably. Like, if it wasn't this person, there's probably a hundred other people. Look how many people you fucking kill in the first game. It could have been any one of their family. And you know what's and, really, really and, messed up about that whole scene is Wait. is well, I think it's like not long after that you get hit with that flashback to the museum, yeah, and with with mm-hmm. Joel and Ellie, which which just absolutely 
broke my fucking heart. I don't know how you guys reacted to it, but... The takeoff scene is, like, that's up there with the giraffe scene from the first one. I love that moment where they're in the capsule, and she's just listening to the... Uh... Oh, it's so... Oh, my God, yes. Yes, that was so good. That was and so... Like Just, ju- Justin is, like, vibrating. Around. He needs to say <laughs> something. Talking about Jurassic Park and everything. Yeah, sequel. Uh, not as good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the little pop culture that, that's, there, that's, yeah. Also, that sequence has a great moment where it looks like <laughs> you're getting ready to go into a combat section. You know, things are dark, kind of creepy. Yeah. Ellie pulls yes. out her gun. There's items and ammo around. <laughs> that's like, what I thought, too. Spooky things on the wall. And then a boar just runs by, and that was it. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> it, it, like, so... Um, we talk, we've talked a lot about like, you know, this is the way it made, you know, I couldn't see this happening every, any other way. And like looking at this story as a whole, um, like I know that was something that went through my mind a lot because with the way that everything goes in this story, I think like even like every time somebody's like, I would have rather this happened, but with the way these events play out, nothing else in my mind would have worked. Like, um, the way Abby and Ellie's stories echo each other, um, the way they both also have shades of Joel's story, um, like, these three characters have, like, all have so much in common, and they've all become heroes and villains in each other's lives, um, and I think it was incredibly effective, um, at tell at tell at telling um that that story and like you know a hero moment for Joel I don't think would have felt right with this series and how we're supposed to feel about Joel. Mm-hmm. It's more muted, like like everyday father style heroics, what you would expect from a father figure rather than a video game protagonist. Did anybody else actually snap a picture of Ellie during that launch sequence? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, on their PS4 because. Because that was a moment, honestly, that I just wanted to hold on to. Uh, because, you know, I, you know, as, as somebody who, you know, my dad wasn't the best growing up. And, and so I never really had a, I never really had a, a father figure to look up to. And for all of Joel's faults, that moment right there when, when he handed her the cassette and she put the helmet on and you could hear the launch noises in the background and, you know, you know, the colors are changing because in her mind she's soaring through space. That right there, to me, encapsulates everything about parenthood and and what being a parent is supposed to be. You know, engendering these dreams in our children uh, of of you know wide adventure and wide open spaces and and freedom and and that to me really, I think, finally cemented Joel's status as a surrogate father for for Ellie. So one sorry one thing I forgot to say uh, a second ago, kind of building off of something Jeff said is. Uh, did any of you um, like really read Ellie's journal as she updated it? Because there's some yep. there's some really really good stuff in there. Like there's one part I think when you hit day three, where she's just like, I don't even know if it's about him anymore. I'm just going forward. I'm just pushing forward because I can't stop. And like, so, I, I think there's some really, really good characterization stuff that's in the journal that a lot of people are going to miss. The way I play these games is I tend to like, kind of do everything at the end. So I was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. look at that journal later. 
I'm gonna look at that journal later. <laughs> and then the second half of the game shifts, and I was like, fuck! And then you get her back at the end of the game, but the journal only starts from that point, and I was like, oh, man. I'll do a chapter select or something later. But, so, like, uh, um, yeah. so do we want to move on to that second half of the game? Because I think no, we've, let, well, let's well, talk about Ellie's half first. I think that's kind of where okay, we're well, going. Hold we on, really we're, we're, well, Joel. I mean, you know, so like, like we don't need to. I don't. I don't think we need to dwell too long on it. But one thing I did want to talk about was how, you know, that scene. I'm trying to. I was trying to think of the best way to frame this. The scene where Joel gets killed by Abby and her group frames almost the entire group as extremely villainous and violent and cruel. But the further you go on, I mean, these are just, I mean, honestly, like, they all could have been individuals living at Jackson. They're just people who are living their lives. Um, And all I know about the situation is this person killed my friend's father and and condemned the whole world. Why wouldn't she want to kill him? Why shouldn't I want to kill him? Um, And there was very little, with the exception of, of Danny, which I just, I didn't like him as a character. Fuck Danny. I think he sucks. But but like for the for the rest of them, like I, there wasn't any cartoonish Wait, which, evil there. Danny's and and I really was Danny actually. That. Hold on one second, uh, just a clarifying thing. Was Danny actually a part of the group? Because like Danny was just the guy that Owen shot out on patrol. No, I mean I mean he was there. I mean he was part of the group. But the dialogue that you get in the second and the half in the second half of the game implicates or implies that he wasn't incredibly popular in the group. Um, yeah, okay. a, a I, I just couldn't remember if he was that. if he was there or not. No, he was there. He was there. Um, but uh, but but yeah, no, I I appreciated the fact that characters like Owen weren't just trying to weren't just trying to murder a middle aged man. Like like they had they had good relatable even sympathetic reasons for doing what they did. Um, and I felt that framing it. Like, like framing it with through Ellie's journey first as you go through and kill these individuals and then playing as Abby and interacting with all of them mm-hmm. is a really effective way of making you sit back and consider the weight and implication of Ellie's actions in the first half of the game. Um, yeah. so I, I, I Sorry, think that Doug. was very I think that was very clever, Finn. No, I just because I know we're gearing up to switch over to Abby's side and I just think it would do this game a disservice to not be able to discuss Dina and Ellie's relationship mm. in the first we yes. talked a whole lot about Joel and Ellie in the flashbacks but it's <laughs> Dina and Ellie's relationship that I thought that built through the uh, the dynamic dis- uh, conversations as you walk and through cutscenes and various interactions that I thought felt very organic and fun and real and you came to really care about Dina and every time she got into danger I was a uh, I was almost more worried about her because I wasn't playing as her. So she was fair game at any point and I was not feeling it. I did not want Dina to go down. Mm -hmm. I I feel like their romance was one of the more believable romances that I've seen uh, in games this generation. Um, It was, it was not only incredibly well acted, but incredibly genuine. Uh, And, you know, Ellie and Dina are both, uh, are both flawed characters. Um, And, and I, I love the, I guess you could say the the their journey towards each other throughout the first opening hours of the game. That kind of that kind of you know I know I know I know I know I want you I know I want you but we're not sure about this and so th- th- that kind of like circling each other, sizing each other up for the first couple hours of the game. I thought really really did an effective job of 
of laying a solid foundation for the believability of their relationship. And then that, like Jeff had mentioned earlier, that scene with uh, when they were playing, when Ellie was playing Take On Me uh, on the guitar was just, was so, so good. Uh, and uh, I, I actually went to YouTube to try to find a, uh, a, a copy of that song because I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Justin, go ahead real quick. And I want to kick it to Zach. Um, yeah, like, Ellie and Dina's relationship was wonderful. Like, I'm so glad Dina ended up having a big role in the game and wasn't just, you know, the, you know, reason for revenge or anything, kind of like the marketing made it out to be. Like, I'm really glad we got to get to know her. Like, there's so many really, really great moments um, with Dina. Like, there's the one where you go into the sen- this sen- uh, synagogue and she's talking about how proud she is of her Jewish heritage um and so i've never seen a game have a moment like that before and you know ellie doesn't know ellie doesn't know much about it both of them you know were born um after the outbreak um so you know she's kind of explaining it to her and she's like oh we come from a long line of survivors and stuff like that it's a really cool touching moment that i think like i think a lot of times especially when talking about faith in games like it's very, you know, one-sided. And this is kind of like a good reflection of how I think a lot of people kind of see faith um, these days. Um, and it, it was that, like, that was a really cool moment. And like, there's another moment where I think it's after day two where um, like Ellie takes off her shirt and um, Dina's just kind of like cleaning her, helping stitch up her wounds and just kind of comforting her. And, you know, Ellie's shaking. Ellie's a mess. Um, and it's just one of the most tender scenes I've seen in a game. Like I, I've, I've got a lot to say about how, you know, Joel and Ellie's relationship, even though they both deeply cared for each other, wasn't entirely a healthy relationship. Um, you know, the end of the first game was Joel taking Ellie's agency away. Um, you know, she was kind of a surrogate for his daughter. Um, and Dina is like one of the first real loving relationships that ellie actually has and it's it's really it's really really great to see um i, I love dina <laughs> um and if if no one has issues the last thing i want to say before we switch to abby's side i assume that's what we're doing next is sure. uh one thing i really liked about ellie's half of the story uh i was shocked uh that she knew what joel did i was expecting this to i didn't expect her to already know i thought this would be revealed later on and realize like oh my god like what the fuck but it it makes it even more fucked up that she knew what he did and still is like i'm gonna kill all you even though like when nora explains to her she's like i don't fucking care and just kills her anyway like i just i i think that was uh, a brilliant decision to already have that realization in place in her and not save that for like a big second half like story beat or something like that it's just like she knows what he did and the whole game is about her trying to get past that and move beyond that and i i just love the implications i had for it it it, but it was that specific story beat that i thought made abby's one line during the fight in the uh theater she says good yeah where she's here for like don't hurt my friend dina she's pregnant and in abby's mind she's like you just fucking killed my pregnant friend she's like good and it's like it's it's like justin said the two abby and ellie stories are just like sides of the same coin and the parallels between the two are so nice 
yeah i actually i'm actually on my second playthrough and like i'm noticing a lot of that and then also there's moments that also are reflective of the first game like when uh especially in the hospital when ellie's tracking nora there's a point where she goes through a door and then boards it up behind her that exact and that stairwell looks exactly like the one where joel does the same thing at the end of the first game um, when she's standing there with the pipe, with like the red arm, with like the red light and stuff around her in front of Nora, like it felt like that scene where Joel tortures is tortures the two guys in winter. Like it was like Ghost of Joel had taken over Ellie at that moment. So I, I, I do have one question for the group and, and we can we can use this as a bridge into Abby because it's something that occurs in Ellie's uh, story and in Abby's story uh, as well. I have to know. Did you guys actually kill dogs, or did you did you avoid it as hard as you can? Like, I killed them, and it felt real bad. They were priority targets. <laughs> that they, they, they yeah. were so annoying for breaking stealth. They were first. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I just before I answer this, I have to preface it by saying this is one of only four games where Saki herself played this alongside me, and I wasn't allowed to play the game when she wasn't home because she was that invested in the story. And I, after the first dog that caught me and I had to like get it off me and and I had to melee it down, she looked at me and was like, not allowed to do that anymore. And from then on, it was either I had to take it out from afar with a bow or shoot it or something where it was too, too far away for it to really register. Because if a dog caught me, I had to restart the checkpoint. It was out of my hands at that point. I was dogs to do not that. even from a not, not like you know. I I have two dogs. I love my dogs, but but like not even from a from an ethical perspective, but from a gameplay perspective, it's one of the things that didn't work for me because I found them extremely annoying. Um, they were you know like the game encourages stealth. I mean the game practically demands stealth, but with the dogs. You 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 have two choices. You can either you can take them out and alert their owner, or you can just keep moving and throw caution to the wind and not really, not really play the way you want to play. And I understand that. I under you know I, I understand the urgency behind the concept of being driven forward and being constantly oppressed and hunted. But at the same time, it is still a stealth based video game, and I don't think the dogs. I don't. Th- I don't think the gameplay me- mechanic of the dogs really meshed well with the style of stealth employed by Naughty Dog. If that makes any sense. No, I agree. I, f- I felt like that's why I did the same thing. Like Justin said, priority because like they. I just there's there's a feel and like a flow and a loop you get in with the game for the human enemies and the infected and the dogs just feel like they don't really fit into any of that and you have to handle them totally differently and. Uh, I agree. Like, I, I didn't, I mean, again, I'm playing on a pretty easy difficulty, so, like, they weren't a challenge, per se, but I I agree. Like, I could have I could have done without yeah. them. See, for me, I, I literally never used listen mode at all. Um, I just oh, had my headphones gamer on. Justin over here. Turned up like, all the way. over so, here. Well, but, but with the dogs, <laughs> the dog, like, that's the only way you can see, like, how they can track your scent and everything. And... I don't like to play The Last of Us that way. I played the first one without listen mode and everything, too. Um, first one, you could actually physically turn it off. Second one, you can't. But, um, but like, so because of that, I had no tools to take care of the dogs. So it was just like, well, I got to just hit them with a bow and hope for the best. <laughs> when I feel like, like, like they would pick up my scent in, in moments that made absolutely no sense. Like, like when I... You know, I would go through a house and sense. jump out a window and, you know, go around a car 
and I'm walking and walking. And then all of a sudden, a dog from, I, I don't know, 10 minutes earlier from across the actual, all the way across the screen, Rex, do you got something, boy? And I'm like, oh, come on. I'm like, how many bricks do I have to throw to distract this damn dog? I don't <laughs> want to kill it. But, uh, uh, Finn? Finn. So, as uh, as we transition to Abby, I just I wanted to preface Abby's section with uh with something that I wanted to make sure got said first. Uh, are we okay with moving into Abby? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. something I want yeah. to say um real quick, but go ahead, Jeff. go ahead, take us there. No, no, no. You know no, what, no, Jeff? No, no, no. Jeff, you Jeff, go first, my good sir. No, I just I just wanted to say I'll, I'll go and then we'll bounce back to Finn. Um, but just I've been thinking about it since Zach was talking about it, where killing the pregnant woman, killing Mel, almost made like he's like I can't with this game, and I think the smartest thing about the transition to Abby section is aside from the kind of uh, flashback sequence you play um, with her and her dad, is like immediately the characters you just killed as Ellie, the game throws you, it doesn't throw you into just Abby by herself out in some building. It throws you into the base with the heart and you meet all the people that you just killed. It gives you no time to recover from that. And you're like, holy fuck. And you're just hearing them talk like normal people. And it just really, I, I can't explain how effective that is. That's That's all I wanted to say. I just think it starts it off so brilliantly. No, I... no, but that that's that's what I what I was gonna get into oh, yeah. is that Naughty Dog took such a huge risk by I mean, it's basically this generation's Metal Gear Solid Two. I was gonna they say that too. Yeah. Us. They they swerved us. We thought we were gonna play as Ellie or Joel, and then they gave us a brand new character that that and then one that we were actively supposed to hate. And then Naughty Dog does the impossible, and by the time you're done Abby's section, they've turned these enemies that you've been like frothing at the mouth to murder. In, in honor of Joel to people that you actually have empathy for. They've, they flip video game, like the script mm -hmm. and they, the bad guys are suddenly just people too, with their own motivations, dreams, backstories, like desires. They have a future when Owen's talking about uh, taking Mel to Santa Barbara to rejoin the fireflies. You're like, fuck when, <laughs> when, when you first meet the dog, Alice, you're like, I literally just murdered you 10 minutes ago. Like this fucking sucks. And I can't think of the last time a video game really made me sit down and feel for these characters that you killed in any other video game. They would just be named antagonists that your goal was to take down. And it just put it all, the whole world turned upside down. Mm -hmm. I actually, and they killed it. I actually found Abby. I actually found Abby's revenge story to be more morally relatable than Ellie's. Um, I more yeah, right. Like like you know, I mean, it doesn't help that Ellie. You know, it doesn't help that Ellie killed a pregnant woman, whether accidentally or not. She killed a pregnant woman, but Abby is just out to avenge her father. Like that, her her biological actual father who did. Who, unlike Joel, did not lie to her. As as far as we know, did nothing wrong. Uh, and you know, I I ended up wishing that I had played the entire game as Abby, which I know is 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 strange for a lot of people because Ellie's face is right there on the cover. You know, she she is ostensibly the main character of the game, but I found myself more invested in in Abby's side of the story. Uh, because I, because I, I felt like Abby was, I mean, you know, both, both characters have a lot of moral grade to them, but I feel like Abby's, you know, Abby's goal is more 
justifiable. Well, Abby grows than... as a character, and especially the the part where you meet Lev and Yara is kind of her turning point. Right. She's already starting to kind of give up and get tired of the fighting, and that's when she makes a decision to actually try and help someone and protect them. And I think I actually found Ellie's half um, the first. I mean. It's basically two full-size games in this game, and I found Ellie's dragged a little bit because I wasn't getting that character progression. I was like, I was waiting for her to kind of like build and things, but it was just very monotone, which makes sense because she's just on a single-minded goal. Um, but I think Abby's half is much stronger because uh, she's already killed Joel. Like, it's, yeah, it's like already she's, happened. She's moved past that, and now she's growing and changing, and like. I agree completely. Like, like that's why I, I feel like I, I, I'm with Jeff, right? Like, I, I enjoyed Abby's portion more simply because Ellie's quest is very, is very single-minded. Like, I am out to kill this. I'm out to kill this woman. You know, like I am, I, I have a quest for revenge, and I'm, I'm picking off targets one by one. Abby has already done the deed, um, and so she has, in my opinion, more room for a lot more room for character growth. Like, I don't necessarily. Like, Jeff, I agree with you. I, you know, like, I didn't get that character growth from Ellie's portion of the story like I was hoping for. But again, I don't, that's just, I mean, that's just the way that's set up, right? Like, I don't expect... Yeah, it's not a flaw. It's right. by design. But it makes it, yeah. the story, and to me, inherently less interesting because it's a little just, Ex yeah, narrow. Exactly. We're supposed to Abby, we're, we're dealing with the aftermath of the choice she made. And, and she's realizing it hasn't really changed her at all. It hasn't really hasn't really helped her like her world she still she exists in this broken world and and you know her father's gone and, and joel's gone and and nothing has it didn't bring her father back and nothing has changed for her justin go ahead um yeah so i mean i st i'm not quite as high on abby as you guys but i'm not saying i didn't like abby at all it's just ellie going into this game was my favorite game character ever and i still <laughs> think she is coming coming out of this game so like you know, that's a high bar. I still thought Abby was great. Like, um, and I really liked some of the subtle gameplay things that they did where, um, you know, they brought back shivs when you play as, well, it's not even subtle. It's they brought back shivs when you play as Abby. Like she has like in her skill tree, she has stuff that lets her do, you know, stronger melee attacks. She can have more health than Ellie. Mm -hmm. Um, her rifle, like she awesome. plays more like Joel, <laughs> right? She plays more like Joel. Like, which I thought was a really, really cool way of, you know, continuing, continuingly drawing, like, the parallels um, to Joel and stuff. And ha having Joel have a presence throughout the story, even when he's not on screen. Um, as well as, you know, adding gameplay variety. But, like, some of the gameplay segments that they put Abby in are so fucking good. Can we, like, can we talk about um, the Resident Evil moment, Justin? Can we talk about that? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's where I was. Rat that's one. King. That's one of the ones I was going for. The uh, the Rat King, which is just a giant infect, multiple infected, grown together Dude, over that's a long pure period Resident of time Evil. in in the ground zero for Seattle, the hospital basement. Oh, so um, good. Yeah, like they went full Resident Evil in that section, and it was awesome. Like, there's a lot more like survival horror inspired things throughout the game but like that was full on like an homage to resident evil i loved it and, um, and, and like I, I and then there's the big like there's the point where you're crossing uh like like what i love the detail where you know abby's afraid of heights yes so, but like so like every time if you're up 
past a certain point, like yes. if you walk to a ledge, the camera pans out and starts wobbling and yes. you hear the whistling and she starts so breathing good. heavy. Um, like that's every single time you walk by a ledge what, when you're playing What's fucked up about that, Justin, is that I myself suffer from agoraphobia, which is fear of heights. So every, so like walking across that sky bridge, uh, made out of like, you know, wooden planks and old metal beams. I literally, it took me longer to do that than it did to get through actual entire gameplay sections of sneaking past, uh, sneaking past enemies because I was getting physically nauseous doing that. It was Um, wild. That and the descent were a really cool moment. I love that section of the game. Um, and we haven't really talked about the scars at all. Um, I, I was going to get the scars just heavier into Abby's Abby's well, story. Hold on, Sorry, hold on. go I, go on. No, I was just going to say like like we are we are going to touch on the scars here in just a second, but I did want to circle back real quick to the Rat King, uh, and and <laughs> okay, and and be, because that's not I don't think that's something that any of us were expecting, right? Like that's it, it went full on like you know mutated creature resident evil here and and also i i love the sorry jeff real quick it's uh i love the uh the realization that the only reason ellie survived her trip to the hospital is because abby had cleared out the rat king first oh that's a good yeah i hadn't even yeah. considered yep. that that's yep. fascinating um, finn wow I, 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 <laughs> jeff i know you wanted to say something go ahead uh no before we get to the scars just because we're on the topic of boss fights uh, I know we're going to get to our negatives with the game later on, uh, but I just I can't keep it anymore. One of the things I hate most in story-driven games is failing a sequence repeatedly. It robs it of all the momentum, and I fucking hated the fight between Abby and Ellie, round one, where it's basically yes. forced stealth. I failed that 15 or 20 times. I was on that section for like 20 or 25 minutes. And it's just like the whole game is coming to a head here. And I just kept getting thrown to a game over screen and trying to sneak around behind Ellie. And t- like, I just, fuck, it just takes, like, See, just make that a cutscene, make it a quick time event. I don't fucking care. I shouldn't be spending a half hour doing, seeing the same cutscene and watching Abby get gutted with a machete 20 times. Like, I just, and I, it's, it's not just Last of Us. Other games have done that too. But I hate that shit. So, so that's funny because a lot of what you said I was going to say, but in a positive way. Um, <laughs> so I like how with both of the Ellie Abby fights, they're one on one fights where they're at the disadvantage. The one that you play as, uh, Abby has to focus on more stealth when she goes up against Ellie. Ellie has to do a one on one fight with Abby. Abby's obviously the stronger one. Um, like I thought that was, I'm fine with that. Just like, um, that was cool. But like, see, see the thing is I died several times in both of those fights because I didn't know what was going to happen if I kept going and I did not want them to kill the other one. And I did not know what was going to happen. And so like, because, because I got, you know, upset and nervous, I died multiple times and I thought that was a really cool moment. It reminded me of like the ending of MGS three where, um, you know, snake has to shoot the boss and, you know, she's just lying there in the field and he's standing there with the gun and it does not proceed until you push the button to shoot the gun. And I didn't, I didn't want to. Um, and so like those two fights really resonated with me and they reflected, you know, 
that moment for me. So those were I I loved those parts. But yeah, go ahead, Finn. Finn. No, I just wanted to, based on what Zach said earlier about the moment where he had to put the controller down and walk away, the Abby Ellie fight in the theater was that moment for me because the moment they put me in control of Abby and said go hunt Ellie. I did not want to proceed. I did not know how that was going to go down. I thought you it was going to go in a very different way. And the physical act of mashing on the QTE moments and watching that play out as Abby consistently overpowered Ellie filled Caitlin and I with so much dread that I didn't want to progress. And then the same thing happened at the end when I was Ellie having to fight Abby. I kept dodging and walking away, hoping that maybe if you did it enough, maybe it was going to be like the Final Fantasy IV crystal fight where Cecil becomes a paladin. Like maybe the only way to win (laughs) is to not fight. And I was really hoping like maybe Ellie would be like, Man, Abby sure. I'm just amazed that you managed to work in a Final Fantasy IV reference into a Last of Us discussion. Hey, that's fantastic. Is this not an SDGC uh, event? Like, how can we not bring in Final Fantasy? Look, I, 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 I was hoping so hard. Like, I'm really happy with the fact that they didn't end up offing each other in their respective fights. But the, the, the dread and anxiety I felt having to to play out those those moments. I, that was my moment where I was like, I don't know if I yeah. can go. What if, what if? See, none of those, none of that worked for me in the game. Uh, um, I understand some of the design intent behind it, but like when Ellie's about to kill Nora, I just sat there for three minutes, not pressing square, because I just didn't want to do it, and I wanted to see if I could get by without it. And like, I don't know a way around it, but I felt this distinct dislike of like being forced to press square to progress the story for something I really didn't want to do. And the game has worked really hard to convince me that this is not something I should do. And this is wrong. And I don't know, I'm not a game designer. I don't know what the answer is, but it's a different, it's a very different feeling from watching a movie and watching someone do something horrible. And the game just telling me like, you know, do this to progress the story. And there's no other way around it. And I, those parts just didn't work for me Um, in all the fights. The end fight with Ellie against Abby, I didn't want to hurt Abby. I like same thing. I didn't press the exactly. button. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I I just don't like I, it. You know, I you know See, I, I think from real quick, Justin. Go quick. go ahead, John. Um um you know from I, I'm with Jeff on this one. From a mechanical standpoint, I did not enjoy the uh the Abby versus Ellie fight um because it it, it felt very it felt very rote. It felt very video gamey because I mean Ellie essentially goes through phases where she gameplay phases where she uses one weapon. Okay, well now she's using the bow. Well now she's using exclusively you know the shotgun now and and it it just it felt like pure gameplay mechanics in and I just I just wanted resolution. I was like I don't I, I don't want to really what feels like a really just contrived ill thought out stealth boss battle. I just I want story resolution at this point. Force um, stealth is never good. I'm sorry. Like I just let's stop with games doing force stealth sections. Right. Like 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 I think overall in the like in in this franchise it's it's done pretty well. But in that instance, it it just doesn't work because it's I mean it's a boss fight. You know, like mm-hmm. like you know just just make like I agree. Make it a cutscene. Make it a. Well, but the rest or... of the game, if you get broken in stealth, you can fight your way out of it. Like that's what drives me nuts is when you have a game where eighty percent right, of it has these one mechanics. You can stealth or you can fight, brick hit. And then a very specific section. No, the only way you can do this is to sneak up behind them. It it and... feels very video gamey in a game mm-hmm. that is trying its best to immerse you in its world. 
and 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 it's it's like yeah like it it's it just it felt very very out of place um you know but like talking about abby's story um i feel can, can, like can i just say one thing kind of go ahead quick uh just responding to what jeff was saying um just especially like when you mentioned like the moment with nora um and stuff and like you know, I, I said, you, you know, for me, it was a good thing that I didn't want to progress or I kept dying because I didn't want to do what the game was wanting me to do. Like, um, I like I mentioned earlier, like this whole game is like the narrative is centered kind of initially around the ambivalence you're supposed to feel for Joel. You're supposed to also feel that for Ellie and for Abby as the game goes on. And especially like if you read some of the stuff in the journal, like Ellie is conflicted about the stuff that she's doing. She's upset by it. Like end of the game, she clearly has very heavy PTSD. Like for me, those moments really worked in selling the state of mind that the characters were in um, to me as a player and for kind of hammering home, you know, you know, these aren't, you know, your hero characters and, I don't know. It, it 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 worked for me. I totally get why it, it doesn't work for other people. But for me, I think with the way the story is presented and how it was how it's organized thematically, um those parts those parts were effective. I you know, using a- Abby as as kind of a springboard um you know, I there were th- there were things about her campaign that I I particularly didn't care for. One of them is the scars. Um I I don't like the scars. It, it it feels like in every single post-apocalyptic game, there's always this one cult, one cult. So this one religious cult that, you know, it, it's, it's in every single post-apocalyptic game. Um, like, you know, Oh, we have a prophet and this prophet saved us and we have to adhere to the word of God because, you know, that's the only way we can be saved in these dark times. And, and, and I just, it felt, I was like, when I came across the scars for the first time, I was like, "Oh, okay, it's a religious cult in the end of the world." Yeah. Like the whistles, the, the whistles were oh, creepy, God. And, and their introduction was great. Um, but by the time, like I like, I have a love hate relationship with the scars. I love love as a character. I love 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 as a character. Um, Lev and, ruled. And I, I love. Yeah, Lev he's one of my fantastic. favorite characters. I I was so I was so enamored with Lev's because i mean you don't get a lot of very prominent transgender characters in 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 video games you just don't um and and so to see and i I thought the way they handled it was incredibly tasteful and and poignant um you know like like and not only do we not get a lot of prominent transgender character in games we don't get a lot of prominent transgender characters in games that happen in the post-apocalypse so so you know how you know how how does one how does one come to grips with yourself in a world where there is very, very little mercy? And I, I, I love, love was probably honestly my favorite character in the whole game. Um, and, and, and so in that regard, I, I am, I appreciate what the storyline of the scars did, but at the end of it, like you don't even ever meet their leader. She's, she's already dead by the time you're playing the game. So I, 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 I looks like Finn was going to say that exact same thing, actually. No, 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 but it's based on that. I'll but, but no, so. like, yeah, just the scars 100% did not work for me. Like, they're, the whistles, the, the introduction, creepy as hell. But after that, I was like, okay, it's a religious cult. Uh, here we go. Finn, talk to us about the scars, buddy. What's that? I, 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 I am the anti-John on this. I love the scars for one reason. Yes, a post-apocalyptic cult 
is a trope, oh. but you, I'm not going to hold that against the game if it does the trope really well. And I thought they did two things really well to really set elevate the scars. One is that you hear about them, but you never see them for like the first half of, of Ellie's campaign. You keep hearing the wolves talk about the scars. You see the scarves or scars as handiwork in the, in the TV station. You keep seeing them, and it's not until after you get to the end, and then you find out, and this is the beauty of it, is you find out through through artifacts and, and journal entries and stuff that the Scars used to be a, a fairly peaceful yeah. people, but then their leader died. We are getting a post-apocalyptic religious cult without the enigmatic leader that is leading them to violence. Their leader actually preached peace and love and tolerance, and then she died. And what happens to all religions? The followers have twisted her words into violence in their own like personal gain. And I really dig that, is that you find out that the Scars are vastly different now. So that was pretty much it. I just really liked the fact that we got this after the leader and it wasn't the the stereotypical like far cry five type of cult leader being this big bombastic evil person that the leader was actually a good person and it's the people after her death that ruined it yeah and just like one other note is like again pre-release i thought the cult was good well first off i thought they were going to be much more of a focus of this game than they were. I mean, they're they're present and they are a prominent faction, especially for like Levin Yara's story. Um, but they're, I thought they were no going to be like main focus and stuff. But like, um, but like, it it really feels like they they did their research, especially like when talking about them before Isaac, you know, tortured and killed their leader, because they do have actually a lot in co- in common with some cults that exist today just kind of like this back back to basics traditionalist structure like it doesn't feel like the same kind of doomsday cult and like you get some of you know you see some of her words you hear some of them and it's like oh this sounds like something somebody would believe it's not just this guy preaching you know this ridiculous ominous um thing like this sounds like advice people would take this sounds like something people would buy into um Um, and we're just seeing what happens to them after the fact i got two things about the scars the just based on what you guys are saying i think i missed a lot of context i felt they were really underbaked and i don't like i don't really focus on collectibles and i don't always explore a ton of games just because i'm usually so invested in moving the story forward i just don't really want to take that time um and i think maybe a little bit of that stuff should have been moved out of notes and newspaper clippings and just either worked into optional dialogue because i do all the optional dialogue and stuff like that just if there was a way to get some of that exposition just into the main story a little bit more because my perspective on i was really confused kind of by a lot of the scars story i didn't uh, aside from Yara and Lev's perspective on it, I didn't really understand where they came from or what happened to them. So I, I was just left feeling very uh, indifferent to them, I guess, aside from obviously what they did to Lev. Uh, and the second thing that struck me when playing the game is how fucking bad, out of context, was that trailer with the torture scene? Oh my god, yeah, it really was. When, when you've played the full game... Yeah. It makes sense. And then who in their right mind would have thought, let's take this scene featuring the character that's playable for half the game that nobody knows about yet, and then use this to hype up our game at a, like, I can't, just can't get over, like, I don't understand how the, how that scene made it into as an actual trailer. Well, which it's is so bizarre. Which is, which is wild because the first trailer we ever got wasn't in the game at all. Yeah. Um, 
at all. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, like using the scars and, 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 you know, like the scars show up mostly during Abby's story. Um, and it's one of the few things about Abby's story that, that didn't really mesh well for me. Um, but once you get past that and, 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 and you look at the, you look at the end game, um, after Abby, uh, defeats. And what's interesting is that, you know, Abby almost does on purpose what Ellie did on accident when she has Dina at knife point and, you know, Ellie begs, you know, Hey, she's pregnant. And, and Abby says, you know, good. And, uh, but Lev is the one who convinces her not to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, which is a really dark character moment for Abby because, you know, she was, uh, you know, again, what Ellie did was terrible, but it was also accidental. She didn't realize she was killing a pregnant woman and her reaction implies, at least to me, that had she known she was pregnant, she might not have done what she did. Um, Abby, on the other hand, is ready to kill a pregnant woman and is worn off of it by Lev, which I think is a really interesting dichotomy. Like Ellie progressively becomes darker, but then is horrified when she has accidentally killed a pregnant woman, whereas Abby's character changes in a more positive direction over her course of the story, but then she is fully willing to kill a pregnant woman. Uh, and I, I, that, that kind of flips like two sides of the same coin really interests me, but I feel like this is kind of where the game starts having its starts having problems. And what I mean by that is after all that, we get a, we get a, you know, we, we get a cut scene, uh, a long interactive scene actually with Ellie and Dina. And again, here's major, major, you know, spoilers. Um, they're on a farm. They've left Jackson. Uh, JJ's been born. Uh, I mean, at least, a, you know, what? A year and a half. How, how much time has passed at this point? I can't remember. If I think just like a, a year to months. a year and a half. Something like that. Oh. It's at it's, least it's, nine months. Right. Yeah. Because because JJ's like got to be two months old. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. It, it's not it's not clear, but I, a year, like a little over a year, year and a half is what I was thinking. <laughs> and there's, you know. Ellie and Dina have settled into life outside of Jackson. They've got a really, really nice little routine going. And it seems like uh, in this kind of, you know, in this post-apocalyptic world they live in, they have found a little corner of peace and contentment. And there's a moment where Ellie was is sitting on the tractor with JJ. And, and the camera kind of pans up. And she's just idle. Right, yeah. And she's idly talking to him. And I was expecting credits to roll. Um, and I was like, oh man, this is what a, what a, what a wonderful way to end the game. Like, you know, not like, you know, Ellie has grown as a character. She doesn't need her revenge. This is, this is fulfilled. This right here is, is fulfilling her more than revenge ever could. And then Tommy comes and, and, but the scene ends. I was like, oh, okay, we're still going. Uh, and then Tommy comes and is able to convince Ellie to leave all of this behind and go off and try to kill Abby. And this is my biggest problem with the game. And, and it one, I think it adds way too much to the game. I think the game is too long. Um, I agree I, with that. Yeah. I, I think that I, I, I think this whole playable section with Ellie after Abby's portion is, is what's responsible for that. But two, you know, this whole, like the ending is about breaking the circle of violence right um 
that that that's kind of the end state that Naughty Dog is going for, you know. And by not killing Abby at the end in their fight in the surf, she's breaking the circle of violence. But I feel like it would have been much more meaningful for her to turn down Tommy's offer and say, you know so, what, I I'm happy here. Um, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to kill Abby. Um, I I, I don't. Uh, I, so, I this is what's giving me fulfillment right here, John. So think about that if you want that to be the part at the farm, you have to think about how do you get from where she is to that decision? Because all that happened was Abby showed up at the theater and they fought and she said, I don't want to ever fucking see you again, but nothing has, what has changed from like, you need another part of Ellie's story to complete that and help her get to that point. Because from her perspective, yeah, this girl just came and beat the shit out of her. It doesn't make sense. Like, there's a piece missing to where she gets from that point to letting go of everything. And that's what that whole final part to me is about. I don't disagree the game's too long, but I don't think I'd remove the final part of the game. I think parts of Ellie's first half could be shorter. Parts of Abby's, I think there's parts of the game that were just put in to be video game levels and boss fights and stuff like that. But that final <laughs> part is so important to get Ellie to that last stage of... Uh, yeah, I think Justin's going to touch on that too. Justin, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, so Jeff nailed it. Um, and also just looking at it from, first off, I love that they didn't shy away from Ellie having PTSD. Um, you know, you can see it building throughout Ellie's part of the game, but like it happened in the first game too, after winter. Um, Ellie is capable of a lot of the things that Joel was, but she can't live with it in the way that Joel did. Um, and I'm really glad they embraced it. And like, because this whole section is, well, one, like, you know, Jeff said, nothing was really settled with the fight at the theater, you know, for Ellie, at least. Um, for Abby, you know, it was kind of, it was an important character moment where she kind of let it go. She spared the person she hated the most. For Ellie, it wasn't. And she also, you know, couldn't sleep at night. She needed to do something and she just couldn't think of anything else to do, like, she was just confused. She wasn't thinking straight. She was broken down. And then also just with the, you know, the two sides of the same coin kind of thing is like Ellie needed to have that moment where she spared Abby. Um, I think the only way the game could have had, like when I thought it was, I thought it also thought it was going to end at the farm. And like, while it w could have been like a nice, happy ending, I don't think it would have thematically or character or you know from a character perspective been fulfilling for Ellie because it didn't complete this mirror uh of the story that they were building she had to spare Abby like the only way this game I think would have worked and could have felt like it had an ending is if either both of them were dead which I didn't want or both of them you know were alive and had walked away um which is why I think this last section really did work for me so so you, what's interesting to me is that um, uh, Jeff, did you have your hand up? No, Finn's got something Finn, to go, say. Finn, go ahead, real quick, bud. Yeah, no, because I uh, I haven't been out of touch on the. Yeah, but yet. who cares just, about your opinion, Finn? Just nobody. <laughs> but I'm here anyway. Uh, Justin and Zach, I think, and and Jeff uh, all said the bulk of what I wanted to say. But what I really enjoyed was the bittersweetness of. The, the flip of Abby and Ellie, you have Ellie who has found the happiness that we all want for her. And she throws it away to pursue her vengeance. Abby, yeah, she loses literally everything. Even the part that broke me the most 
was the fact that she loses her fingers and can no longer play the guitar. Her big connection to Joel, mm-hmm. she loses that. That realization when she's trying to play and you're doing the strumming, but because she's missing her last two fingers, it's all coming off off key. And you're like, oh, no. But that the fact that she has the happiness and she throws it away for vengeance. And it's not until she loses everything that she realizes how to let go and, and, and move on. And then you have Abby who is finding that happiness. She's, she's found uh, a new life and a new purpose with Lev. And well, she I mean, now has a she, goal. she was kind of in slavery <laughs> at this point. But, so maybe she yeah, wasn't but, uh, finding a happy no, ending because, at this point. Be, but that's what, no, because before that she was with Lev yeah. going to Santa Barbara. She had found the fireflies things were looking up you could see true happiness on her face when the fireflies were like oh you're you're the doctor's daughter hell fuck come on down we got you and she takes love with her and you you know it's not going to end like that because it's a video game but she's moving towards that happiness and then after you rescue her from the slavers Mm -hmm. and her only thought is i need to rescue Liv. yeah i don't want to fight you (laughs) i had like we are done let me save him so and it, that's that's the, the, the two sides of the, the thing that I, I, I just thought were so impactful. And also the last thing before John jumps in, uh, I've been waiting for this moment. This whole show is I've really enjoyed how uh, Abby's journey with Yara and her brother uh, brought out a lighter side of Abby, a happier side. Uh, you, one could even say uh, it had more levity. I fucking hate you. That's it. I'm done. Oh I, my god! I hate. Oh my I, god! I hate. Oh you. my god! <sighs> I dis- You were reading from notes. I. You were reading from notes. When did me? you write that? When did no, you write that? I don't have notes. You. God, you were clearly reading from something. No, How long I, ago did you write that? A week ago. How long ago? A week ago. That's that's the answer. <laughs> no, no. I promise Finn. you. If I did, I would show you okay. the paper because I'd be proud of it. <laughs> well done, Finn. Well that's done. That's true. That's true. You do have. You do like writing on your paper so, and showing us. Oh, Jesus, Finn. So so we'll close on this. We'll close on this. Um, I want to talk about the final scene of the game. Because Zach very rightly mentioned that at the end of the day, the theme of the game is forgiveness. Um, not and but who's being forgiven here, right? Like like not only is Elise forgiving Abby, she's also forgiving herself, uh, and she's forgiving Joel. Uh, and and that moment uh, in the house when she comes back and Dina is gone, uh, as, you know, we can only assume she packed up and went back to Jackson. Um, that moment where she lays, she picks the guitar up and just strums at it and then puts it down and leaves. I took as her finally, finally making peace with Joel um, and, mm-hmm. and accepting what he did, uh, why he did, even if she still doesn't agree with it. Um, because now she, and, and you know what, honestly, I think being a parent to JJ is what changed her in that regard. Um, uh, because I guarantee you, Ellie would make the same choice for JJ that Joel did for her. Um, and and you know, like I, I hate to say it, but like you know, all of us have told you know we've all heard from our parents. You know, when you're a parent, you'll understand. And and I, I think that really holds true for Ellie here. I think that ultimately is what helped her come to grips with with the choice that Joel had made for her. My question is: Ellie walks off into the distance and into an uncertain future. 
what comes next for her like 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 how do we feel about that as an ending because it leaves a lot in the it leaves a lot for interpretation justin so um just talking about that last scene um you know especially also with the flashback to joel um you know when ellie says i don't know if i can forgive you but i I want want to like i think that sums up both her relationship with joel and with abby um you know both of them have totally messed up her life but she wants to move on from it and you know there's you know the mo- obviously her struggling to play the guitar is a harsh moment and stuff but i actually think the more i think about this ending the more i think it leaves everybody involved open to a better future like you know it it's not inconceivable like ellie could go to dina and be like look i walked away i figured out what i needed and they could make up potentially well think Um, about the ending of this game compared to the ending of the first game where she knows joel's fucking lying to her and she's gonna live with that for the rest of her life versus this one where she's finally free of all that burden to actually just be yeah like yeah she like like especially for ellie like i think this is her finally moving on and taking control of her life and not letting other people dictate it. Like the moment it ends on is sad. And that credit song messed me up. But the act, I think like the actual ramifications of the ending, you know, while not ending on a happy moment, I don't think it's as sad or as bleak of an ending as a lot of people I've seen kind of made it out to be. Finn, go ahead. I just had uh, two notes and one actually builds off what Zach said about how, the moment when you realize that it's all about forgiveness, that final flashback where she says, I, I, I don't forgive you, but I want to. There is a throwaway line in the early game that I noticed when I was on my second playthrough that com- is, puts in completely different context. And it just hits so hard when you're searching through your initial patrol with Dina and you casually mention, hey, I think I'm going to invite Joel over for a movie tonight. And you're yeah. like that was her moment that was the bridge she mm-hmm. the olive branch that was the start of the redemption for them mm-hmm. and they never got it and ah it well, just, hold on and finally um, and, another and finally wait real quick i think we can all agree jj is short for joel yes Jeff. it is absolutely yes uh um i i would like to see you know like in a potential last of us three like i feel i feel like ellie's story is done we can close the book on that, right? Like, like, like the saga of Ellie and Joel is done, um, and 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 whatever happens to Ellie is left to the minds of 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 of, of the players, and I, I I think that is the proper end for her. Um, you know, I have my ideas about what I hope for Ellie, but but I don't care if Naughty Dog ever actually tells me what's canonical and what's not. I would love to see something happen with Abby, her journey to the Fireflies, um, which I felt like I felt like the Fireflies as a group was something that was missing from this game. Like I didn't like the stars. Uh, they were way too one note for me. I didn't like the slavers at the end. It was just another group of bandits. The, the Rattlers were straight up like I was like, OK, like it's they're just they're, they're just wasteland bad guys. Like whatever. There's no there's no there's no story here. But that's why I feel like this game was missing the presence of the Fireflies because the Fireflies were a very extremely morally ambiguous group who was, they were trying to help the world and trying to do the right thing, but they had very heavy handed methods in doing so much like the Washington liberation front. 
um, which had its, its own shades of its own shades of gray. Um, but I would love to see a sequel focus on Abby's story. Uh, I don't know if it would. Sorry, Don. I don't. I just no. Go ahead. Because that's exactly where you're going. I don't know if it would be too much of a departure for the tone of the series, but I feel like it could pull it off because each game kind of is its own thing. But where we had the first game is kind of a very gray, and it ends with Joel doing what he does, and the second game is just you know so much about hate and breaking that cycle of violence. I wouldn't mind a third one that's a little more hopeful. And maybe seeing, like, you know, like you said, continuing on Abby, what happens when we can get past all of this and if someone's finally able to do something good for a change and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, not saying it has to be like a sunshine ending or anything like that, but just, you know, see, just show us a little bit of good in the world when we've seen um, so much bad in it. That would be, but I, as it is, I agree, like, I don't really need or want a third one, but I'd be and it's hard not to give them the benefit of the doubt. We're going to when... find out. We're going to find out that that uh, according to official canon, The Last of Us and Days Gone exist in the same exist in the same universe. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, Days Gone's already in the siphon filter. universe. So. <laughs> but um, but before we um, wrap that's up... not a joke. Like, that's actually <laughs> canon. <laughs> before we wrap up, John, I don't know when you're planning. Um, I, I just wanted to, like, can we go around and just kind of get everyone's overall opinion on the game? Because yeah. I'm still. We talked about like all the different pieces, but I still can't quite figure out where everybody's landing on it. Like if we loved it or yeah, we can do that real quick. Uh, Justin, go ahead. Uh, so I actually do disagree about how well this plays, but I also have always thought Naughty Dog games play better than people generally give them credit for, and I I really like um I really like how um especially like with the melee and animation, like I haven't even talked about that. Like I could probably do another like two hours about like by myself about this game. Like there's so much to go through. Um, but I uh, like, especially on my second playthrough, I've been experimenting more and like playing around with like the various difficulty settings and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think it's a really fun, well, not quite fun, but it's a very tense, like intense, like, combat system that i think is is and i i think the stealth is a lot better especially like being able to like crawl and stuff i remember there's you know the one section where there's that big battle between like the scars and the and the the wolves like and you're just like i just crawled through the whole thing not fighting at at anybody and it reminded me of like a fleshed out version of like act two of mgs4 or something with stealth in the middle of a battlefield um I thought they did a good job of injecting, like, variety and, so, like, even a few set pieces um, in that didn't feel out of place or anything. Um, they they felt they felt good. Um, but, I, I mean, I really love the story. I just, like, the way it's structured and everything. I do, I do agree that, you know, maybe it could have been a little bit shorter, but I don't, I, I can't pinpoint a section, like, a specific section that I would cut down because I think a lot of it, um, ended up justifying itself. I think in the moment there was definitely sections where I thought the story, my first time through, you know, I thought the story was going to, you know, kind of lose me. I thought it was getting kind of long in the tooth. And then eventually it came around and I realized, oh, okay, this stuff that I thought was unnecessary was absolutely important for where this story goes. Um, so like, I, I do agree. It probably could have, there probably could have been like some editing and condensing of some of the sections. I just can't quite pinpoint it, but, um, like I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter and I'm not going to talk about it too much because like kind of a bummer situation, but I am, I like personally, um, I'm kind of going through, um, you know, knowing that I'm going to be losing a family member, um, relatively shortly. And especially going through the second playthrough, um, 
you know, I had already started it. I had taken a break from it, and I came back to it the other day, and I was on the flashback with um, Joel and Ellie going to get the guitar strings, and, you know, they end up dealing with a lot of infected um, and stuff along the way. And, you know, there's this point where Joel is talking about how he started he started reading the comics that Ellie collected and read in the first game. And he's like, they're not really my thing. But then, they, you know, he keeps the conversation going and, you know, talks about stuff he did like from them and everything. And, you know, it really reminded me of, you know, this family member always being supportive of my interests and stuff in a way that, um, you know, a lot of my other family wasn't. And so now this playthrough has kind of been permanently paired with like some of those feelings that I'm going through right now. And I don't think I'll ever be able to fully decouple it from that. Um, And so, I mean, I loved it the first time, but it's really taken on a new, really special meaning for me on this second playthrough. And, and I don't mean that to be a bummer. I mean that it's a very cathartic story, um, which I wasn't expecting. And it's, it's hitting me. It hit is. It's hit. It, uh, pardon. Uh, it's hitting me in a way that very few stories ever do, no matter what the medium. Um, and you know, combine that with the fact that I enjoy the gameplay more than I think a lot of other people do. Like, and the first one was always like a top three game for me. Um, this may be my new number one. Um, I still need to reflect on it, but it is up there with the first game. It's up there with Metroid Prime for me. Like, this is something that I think is really special, and I really want to examine and talk about quite a bit. Uh, awesome. Uh, Finn, go ahead, bud. Um, I was just enjoying Zach's reaction to hearing the words <laughs> Metroid Prime. It's coming to Switch, I'm telling you! I'm telling oh, you! Not, uh, stop uh, with this shit! Uh, we almost Look. got we almost got through one without it. We it's all- your fault, Justin. <laughs> right, you Finn, mentioned right, it. Finn, go right, ahead. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, I it, it's for me it's a shared experience because I got to play it alongside uh, Saki. But I, I'm with Zach, and I think most of us we can all agree the first Last of Us felt very complete. The idea of a sequel did, was not necessary, and I think the greatest thing this game did was not only justify its existence but make us happy that it does it uh the the story i didn't know i wanted it until i got it and they did it in a way that makes me happy that it went down this way because it very how many times have we seen a story that we're like it's over and then they're like but here's a sequel and then it just lessens the pedigree like it it kind of it doesn't impact the anyway you know i'm gonna go on i'm just rambling at this point you know what i'm trying to say i thought i'm with justin in that I really enjoyed it. I think we can all agree that the Rattlers section was where the pacing got a little wonky. Uh, it, I was thinking when Justin said he couldn't figure out where to drop it, I think that part. A lot of the uh, the elongated stealth combat scenarios in the Rattlers section, if we removed the Slavers as a whole and it was us intercepting Abby and Lev on their way to Santa Barbara and... Rattlers never came into it because then it just we have this third faction that felt half baked uh, and out of nowhere, and the whole slavery thing was just dropped on our lap. That I think is the weakest point of the game. But gameplay wise, I think it is remiss to not mention how fucking satisfying the window smashing mechanics are in this game. Oh my god, I yes! I can't stop breaking windows and the tense reaction of 
did I just alert a bunch of bad guys? Am I safe? But it's just, oh, just the animation of them using whatever weapon they have or wrapping their hand in cloth and then smashing it or using a gun and just watching. Oh, just I don't know who was in charge of animating that and doing the window breaking mechanics, but it's right up there with just the smallest touches that elevate the game and show that Naughty Dog crunch aside. That's a whole nother topic. The time they put into their games is reflected in the game. For good or ill. Uh, Jeff, go ahead, buddy. Um, so I'm very much in line with Zach's thoughts. Uh, with some interesting perspective, because I'm normally with Justin. Naughty Dog makes probably my favorite games. I played through Uncharted 4 like six or seven times. I played through The Last of Us 1 like five times. And I don't replay games. I never replay games but i even and i don't i especially don't play games on hard difficulties i usually am just in it for the story play on easy i was playing last of us on survival mode up until billstown which is like i must really like a game to do that um and i typically think all the games play very well like in uncharted people uncharted 4 it's like too much climbing this and that i fucking love i'm like give me more climbing i love swinging off these rocks and shit um but this was the first one of their games where i was like mm, these are starting to feel like mechanics from almost a gen ago. And there was some... Uh, the window smashing is cool, but I felt like they replaced uh, moving ladders and crates with throwing rope over things. Right. Um, yep. And then we still have three triangle pushes to start a generator. That's not fun. So don't make me do it three times. Just let me... Okay, I'll just go press press it once to start the generator. It's not <laughs> yeah. hard. It's, there's no satisfaction. Turn... It's just wasting Jeff, my time. you can... At... Jeff, you can actually turn off a lot of those things in the accessibility. Features. I I know, but that's not my point. Like, I just, it, why is it even in there? It doesn't add anything to it. And what I hope, you know, I, I'd like to see some of this next generation. Just that's my biggest issue with the game, aside from what everyone else said. It's too long. And it's not too long in terms of length, because a game should, it can be as long as it needs to be. Red Dead Redemption 2, I beat in 48 hours, which as I understand is short. But that would, that was not too long. That was the amount of time that that game needed. And I feel like The Last of Us Part 2, I think I finished pretty, again, pretty quick because I play games pretty quickly. I had 23 hours, but I feel like this story could have been told in 18 hours. Like, there's just, like everyone else said, I don't know what I would cut. There's definitely some levels, like the one where you, before you run into Jesse again, the part with all the dogs in that kind of neighborhood where you're going through, right. like, there's just... It was like, I've almost done this. And then there's a whole other part of the town that I was going to. I think that's Hillcrest. Um, I was just like, yeah, Hillcrest. Th this didn't need to be an hour long. This part could have been a half hour long. It's just, but I get it. They're making a video game and they want to give you encounters and stuff like that. It's just, um, and, and the gunplay, I think, in The Last of Us is actually really good. The guns feel really fucking good to shoot. The melee is really good. The problem is with the stealth. And I am lucky I can cheese it because I was playing on the easiest mode and it's very easy. There's ammo everywhere. I can just shoot my way out of everything. I can just turn on the jets and just sprint to the, get out of the area and progress the story and take a few hits. But, you know, imagine playing on normal or hard. You can't do that. And so, yeah, just the the game, it, it, the gameplay didn't evolve the way that some of the narrative and writing did. I think the story is a masterpiece. It's a 10 out of 10. Um, but the gameplay is just like I said, like I want more interactivity with that environment. Like we got the rope throwing, the window smashing and the generators. But like. I need more than two or three things over the course of a 30-hour game. Give me more things to do, more things to uh, experiment with, and more ways to mix up all the, the gameplay elements, I guess. And, 
you know, I, I don't have the answers, but that's why I'm not, I don't work at Naughty Dog and I, I don't know what I need, but it, that, that gameplay loop just isn't interesting enough to me to justify the length of some of those sections. And that's my, my uh, biggest issue with the game. So um, I'll kind of close it out here. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm with everybody uh, when I say that the story is one of the best written and best acted, uh, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I mean, all credit credit goes out to especially uh, Laura Bailey, who just absolutely crushed it as, as Abby. Um, you know, from a narrative perspective, I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Um, my my problems with the game stem from multiple places. One, I don't feel the gameplay was a, any meaningful evolution at all from the first game. I mean, you've had seven, like it's been seven years uh, since the first game. And this is a problem that I think has been uh, something that Naughty Dog has had a real issue with getting around is from Uncharted. Like Uncharted, shooting in Uncharted didn't feel good until four. And even then it was just fine. Um, it still doesn't feel good in The Last of Us to me. Uh, you know, they they do cutscenes very well, but there's certain animations like like, like the jumping in anime. Like I laughed, I openly laughed when I saw <laughs> Ellie jump for the first time. I was like, "What is that?" I was like, "What? What that?" Like like it's it's moments like that that kind of take me out of the game. Um, I, I don't think it was well paced in, in many spaces. I think we can all agree on that. There were there were a few moments where I would clear, I would stealthily clear a whole room or a whole outside area, and I'd feel real good about myself. And then you'd see another wave of mobs just roll in, uh, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, God, I got to do this all over again. Um, you know, I am different than Jeff. Like I replay games constantly and everybody who knows me knows this i mean i've played final fantasy 6 and chrono trigger annually since 1995 um and i played the last of us uh like five or six times i don't see myself playing this one again um as much as i love it and as much as its story resonated with me i feel like like the last of us had a great story the Last of Us 2 has a superlative story, and it in the same vein, it's the same reason I don't want to play, um, it's the same reason I don't want to play What Remains of Edith Finch again, because once was enough. That story would be, its its impact on me would be lessened if I were to experience it over and over and over again. Um, and I feel like if I were to do multiple playthroughs of The Last of Us 2, that story would slowly start to lose impact for me, because the small issues that I do have with its pacing and with its gameplay would, would build up and build up and build up and cause me to actually resent the game. Um, and it's a, it's, and it's a wonderfully told game. I don't want to resent it. Um, but as a whole, I, I think, while I still, am not convinced that the last of us needed a sequel. I, I feel like this was the, this was the only way you could have done a follow-up to that game. Mm -hmm. Um, and personally, like, I, I would be fine if it ended here. I would be fine if the whole franchise ended here and we never got another Last of Us game. Um, you know, so. having said that, I agree with Zach. We're absolutely getting a Last of Us 3. Like, there's there's no question. No. But I but I would love to see Naughty Dog branch out and do like a turn-based RPG or, or like a, like, like you know, a, a, you know, a dating sim. You know, like, like, like break out of your comfort zone and, and do something else. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that, uh, you know, I, the problem with doing a spoiler cast with The Last of Us is, 
I know there's stuff we didn't touch on, but you'd be here for five or six hours. Like there's so much to, mm-hmm. to dissect and talk about um, that you, you, you really just can't hit at all. But I, I feel like we, we got, I, I feel like we talked about what we really needed to. Uh, and if you are, uh, if you are listening to this before July 9th, don't forget uh, on July 9th, uh, we are welcoming John Bentley, the voice of Barrett in final fantasy seven remake onto the podcast. Uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be great. Uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in. Um, and remember it's not always poetry and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So until we talk again, take care of each other and we'll see you later.